Hello and welcome to the Four Pointer, brought to you by the Dallas Mavericks and presented to you by The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash four pointer will save you 40% off your year long subscription to The Athletic, whether it be Athletic DFW or Athletic National. A lot of outlets out there. Whatever coverage you're looking for, they have it. Breaks down to $2.99 a month. No ads, no videos, no pop ups for you to have to. Keep scrolling down your page another 15 inches to find the next paragraph like a lot of outlets do. It's the best coverage. It's spectacular. It really is. It's next level stuff. It's analytics. It's, uh, you know, reaching out to sources, getting good quotes. It's, it's sports coverage the way it's supposed to be done. And uh, my man Jacob Kemp writes for them. Tim Cato, your local Mavs writers. And uh, if you could help us out and go to theathletic.com slash four-pointer, save you some money, get you the best sports coverage on the internet, hands down down we would appreciate that <laughs> welcome back to another session of sports sesh i'm guy young and these guys are just guys now i want to just jump right into hot topics earliest memory of dirk it was probably probably a year he was playing with steve nash i kept hearing somebody named dirt like with a t so i was like why is there a dude named dirt in the league and then i you know i found out he was actually pretty good so athletic it's words sometimes the sports it's words for me from you sometimes i write articles at four o'clock in the morning instead of sleeping and you, you can see those words at theathletic.com do you use a weird font whenever you're sleep deprived do you like put it in italics i'd like to know pretty standard font guy oh really yeah pretty standard font guy i go with the uh just the basic one that the Google Doc provides for you. Do they let you choose your own font? I don't think so. I think they have a tight face. <laughs> the man is. holding you down. Yeah, I find yeah fonts and capital letters to be tools of oppression. Um, I like a nice Verdana font. Yeah, which one do you got here? What is this? Got a little Arial? Uh, this is standard. This is a thrown together document that the top is different. You see? Mm-hmm. The, the title stands out. Yes. This looks like to be a... What's a it's called Bitter? I bitter write, font? I write in Ariel. <laughs> like all the greats. That's right. Smoke <laughs> cigarettes and write in Ariel like all the greats. <laughs> I need all to... Great scribes. I need to know when you're working on less than three hours of sleep, so just put that, that part in italic for uh, me. Well, that's all of the time. <laughs> it's constantly... It's literally all of the time. Hey, you we don't should, have a child uh, yet. <laughs> we should uh we should let Dirk uh replace the entire broadcast crew. <laughs> I'm I'm here for that. Because totally. uh, boy. <laughs> it's a bright spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that till this morning. Was that a pal dunk? Yeah, that was a pal the pal oop. Yeah. Uh it's pretty nice. Pal murdered Jeremy Grant 
or Jerry, Jeremy, that's Jeremy. Jeremy's spoken. Um, and, uh, yeah, he dunked on him. And Dirk, I don't know why, he's done like 45 games on the on the broadcast. He knows how it kind of flows. But instead of calling the play, he thought the same thing as calling the play would be me just talking about the same thing I was talking about and just raising my octave about four tones. Yeah. He's been a real bright spot. <laughs> so There's definitely music. some drops in there for sure. Oh, no doubt. The Mavericks won at home. They did, man. They really, really did. Uh, it was a After fun night. slaughtered in the city of Utah. Yeah, Utah is a terrible city, um, as a wise man once said. And uh, that's a pretty stinking good team, man, whenever they're rolling. They got everybody healthy, and we just don't match up well with them either. It doesn't um, hurt if you're them to have the Mavericks completely like leave Joe Ingles alone. <laughs> yeah. Weird strategy. Only had a couple shots, but they were both just like why is there no one why yeah. are, why are you helping off of Joe Ingles? Yeah. It's, it's very not the confusing. move. And then like they were annoying enough before they got a superstar in yeah. Donovan Mitchell where I was like you've got all the best role players. What are you doing, jerks? Like cut it out and then Donovan Mitchell just comes out of nowhere and you know, uh, doesn't sleep for six months and works 23 hours out of the day and changes his game into basically being like Kobe Bryant. <laughs> and uh, now they're a really, really good team. They're and legit. I'm happy for them because they kind of built their team the right way. But also, it is watching uh, the first two games we played against them. And we got another one. I think we got one Wednesday. Yes. Is that another Utah? Yes. My God, get out of here. That one here. So sick of y'all. Um but, yeah, they're a stinking good team, and they match up very favorably against our roster, so it's kind of painful to watch. But uh, that was earlier in the week happenings last night, City Edition night, in fact. Uh, any hot takes on on the new City Edition look? They're fine. Yeah. I don't love the, I don't love the colorway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mostly just that I am so in love with the Royal and Kelly um, mm-hmm. that anything that doesn't have that, I feel like, is is foolhearded. You're just being cheated. Yeah, I like anything I that's that, not steak. I think that combo is so great that there's no reason that they shouldn't feature it more. Yeah. Um, and I hope that one day that they do. From what I understand, they can only rock the green like once every three to five years. Um, well, I'm saying it should be their rule. new. It should be their new. Yeah. Main colorway. I got. I got an idea. How about Nike not make the teams design a new uniform every year? Yeah. Like, you're going to get rushed. Like, people work an entire year and a half, like, to put this thing together and get, like, the merch organized and get, like, demo shirts and, like, make sure this print color looks the way it does in this graphic. And, I mean, I sit by those people. Like, I see them freaking out every day about, are they going to be here on time? Does the color match? Is the Five Miles logo correct? Like, it's just, it's the most extensive process. And just that it gets out there in the... The party is smooth, and the the drop is smooth. I'm like, that's success. Because a lot of teams had theirs leak from different places, and the last minute ours did too, because one of the places that they got uh, shipped to, one of the outlets that sells them, just kind of put them on the racks <laughs> a week early, which is comical uh, in a really sad way. But um, yeah, I, I think everybody was, I don't know, there are people that, think they're um the world's best like graphic designer on earth and are just ah these are trash i could do way better and it's like man these were designed like 18 months ago and you got to get something that nike approves and i'm trying to tell you it's not easy it's a big 
big pain in the ass. Um, and people are just happy whenever it rolls out smoothly. So that's from that's a little bit of inside baseball for you on the city edition, which I, I don't mind it. I like I like throwing in the uh I like the way the teal works with our blue and the and the uh whatever they call it, uh that gray. But um anything that's different for me that I can use for design and different color options, I'm all for it. Yeah. So just let's get weird. Let's get as weird as possible. But uh it was a good night. People were we went to the, the hangar early on in the evening. And you couldn't walk through the damn thing. It was so busy. So I think the fans liked it. Uh, maybe the Twitter, NBA Twitter was, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't remember the last time they said anything positive about anything, so it doesn't really bother me. Well, I think that a lot of the other city jerseys are just a lot better. About some that. of them are, yeah. I just, it's not so much that the, I like that the, I like the concept, I like the idea, I just think that some of the other ones are better. The Cleveland one is amazing. Which one is, oh, it. the Wave? Yeah. That one is. I like that one a lot. I can dig it. Some of the cities just have so much more like positive culture <laughs> built around them. There's no lie. Like Miami is so built in Miami Vice that it's just like, all right, guys, I get you're going to do Miami Vice every stinking year. We have a city edition jersey, but it's such a layup. And then uh, Philadelphia's were pretty clean. I like those a lot. Yeah, but uh, Dallas, it's like, uh, history of Dallas isn't all positive, guys. The Bulls one is great because they have that flag that they can lean on. Yeah, it does look like a uh, USSR, like, Soviet Olympics jersey from, like, 88. But uh, I'm here for it. Utah's always strong with the yeah. the ombre. It doesn't look like anything else, and it's way out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, just try and just Google history of Dallas and try and find, like, something super fun to base a jersey off of besides anything that's been built, like, the last 10, 20 years. And it's a little difficult. Yeah. But uh, next year, they've already, I know the, uh, the the design for next year is already basically done. Uh, haven't seen it yet. No idea when that'll, that'll happen. But uh, yeah, it's just a humongous undertaking. So glad that's behind us. But it was City Edition night, so the crowd was pretty juiced up. Got a new intro. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder coming to town without Russell Westbrook. And for whatever reason, when OKC comes here, we we play like it's our last game on earth. And last night... More than anything, what I take away from that game is the Thunder are a really janky team whenever Russell Westbrook's not out there. Well, they kind of are even when he is. Yeah. They're they pretty dysfunctional offensively when he is there. Now, Paul George, is, he's going to hit shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, like especially early in that game, he came off of a curl and it was just like, dude, yeah. if he's going to do that all night, we are going to have problems. They got away from him, though. Or, really I, don't know if, I don't know if he just kind of started drifting. He saw they're down by 15 and didn't really imposes will on the game but i was like dude if you're gonna sag back on him and let him just shoot from the elbow he's gonna knock down like 60 percent of that and then he just kind of stopped i don't know what it was i no explanation for it i mean i guess i'll credit the mavs if that's my default of they you know didn't let him get the ball and put dorian finney smith on him for large stretches and that frustrated him but yeah that's a <laughs> when you got Truder, abrinus jeremy grant Steven Adams and Paul George were on the court at one point. And there's one other super oh, Terrence Ferguson got yeah. tons of minutes. And I'm like, dude, you got like four dudes on the court that can't dribble past shoot. And Paul George. That's a that's just a janky lineup. And, you know, we beat the pants off of them. Played probably our best consecutive twenty year plus minutes in the first half that we have all year. Um 
And it kind of led me to a new theory that I have with the Mavs, which is that they're going to score just about no matter what. If Luka's healthy, his ankle's not messing with him, his back's not hurting, um, with the new roles that everybody has, with Wes getting taken out early and coming back in with the second unit, with Finney Smith out there, and if Dennis is playing, you know, average Dennis, they're going to score. What The breaking point in the game to me is whether or not the other team's offense is worth a crap or not. Particularly if they can shoot threes. If they can shoot threes, if they can create good looks, and if they can roll out advantage lineups offensively, which if Westbrook's out there, that game probably goes quite a bit different. But to pinpoint what's going to make a Mavericks win versus a Mavericks loss right now, I'm looking at can the other team score? Can the other team shoot? Because what we're best at right now is the second half of that equation. Is getting out and running. Is early offense. Is real simple reads of Luke and DeAndre get on the court real quick and they're the only people on the left side of the court. And Luke is ball handling. And that's an advantage just in itself. And some of the numbers we'll go through. Some of the stuff that's worked, some of the stuff that hasn't uh, in terms of uh, lineups in terms of just overall players, um, you know, like their, their shooting percentages from different spots, how they're being used. Um, but in transition, they're one of the best transition teams in the league whenever they actually do it. They just don't do it that much. Correct. And what that means to me is get more stops defensively, in yeah. po- which I don't know if they, I don't know if it's them getting stops or the other team not being good offensively. Yeah, let's see. What is their uh, percentage on transition? They uh, score the uh, fourth most points per possession in transition while they're on it the third fewest amount of time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, uh, so according to Synergy, 24th in transition opportunities, first in points per possession. And second, and uh, second Spectrum has this weird... That called uh, points per chance. Yeah, which is even weirder. Well, this one's interesting too. They also score the fifth most points uh, per possession off of live rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will not be surprised to know that they are also near the bottom of the league in that. Yeah. So when they get stops, mm-hmm. they score at an incredible rate. Yeah. They do not get stops. No. Um, and if you're going to have a team that can't shoot at all, mm-hmm. like Oklahoma City, who's going to sh- you know, roll out a 25% effort from beyond the arc, mm-hmm. you're going to have, like, some pretty exciting Mavericks basketball. Yeah. Like, you're going to have, because they're actually fairly athletic uh, whenever you're playing Smith, or when you're playing Finney Smith a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bray is not athletic, necessarily, but he does facilitate athleticism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, I mean, if they get stops, their offense is deadly. Yeah. <clears throat> and the Thunder are, it is interesting. Like, I almost think that, uh, like, for example, I think the Mavericks have a better chance of beating a team like, I don't know, for example, like the Pelicans, mm-hmm. who are much better offensively than uh, than Oklahoma City. Much, much better. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think, or I guess I said that backwards. I think that the Pelicans are a better team than the Thunder, and I think the Pelicans could waste Dallas. Yeah. Uh, because they don't they don't really defend anybody, but they do mm-hmm. score a lot. Yeah. So if your team is centered around defense, then Dallas can beat you. Yeah. And to me, the side effect of that is, or how how you get to this point where you're running more, where you're getting more early offense, is this team has to do whatever it takes to keep the offense out of ISO situations because they are really bad at it right now. Yeah, something, you know, Barnes still doesn't look totally right. He's been better. Um, Obviously didn't play a ton last night because of his foul situation. Last night was weird. I'm worried about his shot. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Yeah. His ISO numbers last year were ridiculously good, but that's still a fairly inefficient play because you don't get fouled on it all that often and you don't create uh, threes all that often, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he was at least scoring it a lot. Now he's not even really doing that. Yeah, it, it last night was super weird for him. Yeah, I mean he got three fouls pretty quick, and then in the third quarter, <laughs> Bobby and I were sitting there watching Casey, and Casey gets up and goes and tells Rick with like a minute left in the third, "Hey, you probably want to get these guys out." Barnes has three, DeAndre has three, and Casey goes and sits down, and Rick says, "You know, Rick doesn't make the sub." And 30 seconds later, Barnes gets his fourth. Is it the fourth? Was it the third one that was away from the ball? Yes. Okay. That was a weird play. That was on, was that offensive? Yeah. Was that a screen? I think so. Yeah. But yeah. I I don't know that I saw a foul. Dude, there have so. been some weird, like, officiating first halves. Like the, uh, what game was it? Almost they got in a fight. Was it, there was a jazz game. Yeah. When a nice, uh, you can tell, you can tell when a game gets rolling. And calls are either getting made away from, like, intense action, and then the hard stuff isn't getting called. And I can I can tell six minutes into a game, someone's going to fight. Yeah. There's going to be a, there's gonna be a tie-up. And I said it in the Jazz game, and I thought last night it was heading that way. And then, I don't know, it just kind of, Barnes went to the bench. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, escalate the situation necessarily, so... But, uh, yeah, he was a weird – he played 17 minutes for, you know, on paper our best two-way player and um, a max player on the on the cap sheet. So that was kind of uh, – that was pretty weird. But it did allow Brea to get out there a lot, a lot of Powell and a lot of Kleber. And uh, Brea had, honestly, one of his best games I've ever seen him play with uh, 21 points. I think it was five assists if I got the thing pulled up again. But uh, it was just the test of – backup point guards it was okay Schroeder I know you can straight line drive power dribble get at the basket um are you gonna get anybody else involved and we know the answer on our end like if it's JJ versus Dennis Schroeder it sounds weird because one makes this dollar figure one was drafted here and one makes you know whatever JJ's making this year and is 34 years old but give me JJ every time in that situation to win that basketball game for sure. Uh, his shot's been pretty bad Yeah, recently. He, but He's gotten a little bit better. He's a super streaky player, and that's just kind of how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Like his percentages, I mean, he's not going to do what he did last year, but he's always going to sit, uh, you know, in the mid-30s from three. It's just that he'll shoot like 48% for two weeks, and then he'll shoot like yeah. 22% mm-hmm. for a week and a half. 
Yeah, not he, sure if that's preferable or not, but I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what he's doing. His his numbers are not going to end up being as bad as they are right now. Yeah, he'll be fine. Um, all right, so we're twelve games in, four and eight. Obviously, what a six game losing streak hidden in there. Um, so I wanted to kind of feel like that's enough of a track record and enough of a sample size to kind of tell you what's working, what isn't, what what what's the DNA of this team. Um. And how it's all gonna make sense going forward. So let's start out with uh can't believe we made it fifteen minutes into the podcast and really haven't mentioned Luka Doncic, who is on pace to basically be the best rookie ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is freaking nuts. It is nuts, but it's also not that surprising. No um, to me, because there's I tried I had this conversation with Bob and Dan a lot. And, you know, they know that I'm conducting the hype train. Mm-hmm. Um, Throwing the coal into yeah, the... Yeah, for sure. For sure. I got a little stove <laughs> stove top, stove pipe. What do you call those things? I don't know. Uh, but my point was just, he may not end up being the best rookie from, you know, his class in five years, but he's definitely going to be the best out of the box because there's just never been a player like him before. Mm-hmm. And that's sounds like hyperbole, but it's really not. There's never been a player like him before. There's never been a player... Because really, it couldn't have happened 10 years ago. European basketball was not where it is now. Right. So if you take a player that is unique and special in, in their own right, and then you take the situation that they're coming from, there was never a chance for there to be a player like him before now. And there'll be another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm not super plugged into what's happening in Europe right now, but I know that in five more years, we're going to have more guys like him who show up at 19 and they've already played a ton of professional basketball. Whereas... The players that they're playing against that are their age have played in AAU games and maybe one season of probably not all that competitive college basketball. Mm-hmm. Just to put this in context and why we're speaking the way we are, which I just, okay, just so to pin me down on something besides saying he's freaking great, I think he's basically the best rookie, the that he'll have the best positive impact of a rookie. Contributing to winning. Yes. That anybody will have probably for the next 10 years. Because it just doesn't happen. I mean, we saw Dennis Smith Jr. last year. And yeah, that's a, you know, that's a whatever 24-win team or whatever we ended up with. So that's a little different. But if you look at the numbers and you look at 20 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists for a rookie... That's happened six other times. It's Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson, Larry Bird, Elgin Baylor, and Sidney Wicks, which I need to research Sidney Wicks because I did not know that name. If you look at the true shooting percentage and the effective field goal percentage for all the rest of the dudes compared to Luka right now, none of those dudes are above a 520 in effective field goal percentage. He's at 572. True shooting percentage. Jordan is up at 592. No one else is above 555. Luca is at 604. Yeesh. Here's the fun fact. Every single one of these dudes is 21 years old or older in their rookie season. Luca is 19. Yeah. And to me, more than anything, it's that uh, he plays in a way that is very, you know, sustainable. Because yes. it's not like he is just shooting the lights out of the ball. He's shooting it pretty well, mm-hmm. but he's working for those looks. Like he's getting open. 
and he gets other people open yeah. is the other thing. And I think he's definitely the type of player who will always make the players around him better. Mm-hmm. And that's invaluable, man, because they're the best pick-and-roll team in the league right now. Yeah. Um, and that's – J.J. is a huge part of that, but – a guy who's not their point guard mm-hmm. is also a huge part of that. And so that's a conversation for another day is what's his, his position, what is Dennis's position. But they have a guy who runs a lot of pick and rolls who's not very good at them, mm-hmm. and they're still scoring like the highest percentage uh, oh, yeah. when it comes to at least uh, the roll man finishes mm-hmm. in the entire league. Yeah. And that's because of Doncic. Yeah, and uh, just think about what that number could be if Dennis was like average right now. Yeah, pick and roll. I mean, that's certainly that's the uh, that's the goal. I think that's the end game, right? Yeah, you need to have two guys who can handle the ball and can attack mm-hmm. uh, at the start of action. And it's really frustrating to me how much people have already just discarded Dennis. Yeah, um, and I know like we do we got a new toy, hot take reactions and whatnot. But dude, you need two guys who can score. Mm-hmm. I think it's valid to say you're curious what his long term mold is. Sure, but I don't think that you have to, to to say that. I don't think you have to also say, "Well, this guy sucks. We don't need him." Right? You do need him. Yeah. No, I mean, he can bring a certain skill set that uh, I don't know. There's not that many dudes in the league that can do that. If he if he plays downhill and he plays with pace, that's a super valuable player. Yes. I mean, that's basically Monte. Whenever Monte was here, and that dude was. <laughs> I mean, that was a 50-win team with uh, with Monte, what, Calderon, Parsons year, and Dallin Barrett center. And it's just, yeah, I, I think everyone needs to chill out a little bit on, can Dennis fit with Luka? Is Dennis, you know, going to be an all-star, all this stuff? Like, man, it just give him, like, a little bit of time. I don't know any other player that we're trying to judge in that same fashion before they're even, like, 21, 22. I'm really kind of tired of hearing about uh, people's body language takes also. Yeah. Um, because he's 20, or what is he, 21 now? He's 20. Okay, so he's still 20, mm-hmm. and he's, I don't know, man, it's just such an odd spot. Like, there's really no other sport where you start judging somebody at that age uh, and basing it off of what they're going to be in the prime of their career especially if we're talking about stuff that's not even playing basketball. Mm-hmm. You're talking about what somebody's face looks like, yeah. or what their shoulders look like. Well, I'm good on I all get that. it because it's the, it's the NBA, but if you think that every kid who plays for some double-A team uh, and is taking the bus overnight, if you think he handles striking out the same way then that he will when he's 27, you're mm-hmm. wrong. And it happens in college football all the time. What yeah. I care about is that he's 9 of 20, in catch and shoot situations, mm-hmm. and he's thirteen of eighteen in spot up on spot up shots this year. Yeah, are that's you, that's what are he you improved. kidding me? Like if he can do that, then he's eventually going to be a very nice secondary scorer. That that play last night. This is a, just kind of a sidebar, but whenever he uh, was about to shoot a three, his eyes are just clearly locked in on the rim. He jumps. The defender is about to probably get a finger on the ball, and he just throws it off the dude's back. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was hilarious. Like, I wanted the next shot. I wanted the shot to go in so stinking bad for him. I was like, that was cool. That was a legitimate cool moment for him. Like, playing with it himself, the awareness to go, yeah, if I let this go, this is getting tipped, and it's probably a fast break the other way. So, you know what? I'm going to do the inbounds trick of throwing it off somebody's butt 
and catch the ball back. But yeah, that dude, he he didn't make the jumps thus far. Okay, through twelve games of his age twenty season, he's obviously adjusting. And the things that I might have picked if I had the option of him to improve on immediately uh, coming into his second season, they might have been different things than what he's improved on. But what he's improved on is he's a really stinking good shooter now. Yeah. And that's very valuable. And he's not going to – he's never going to be Doncic with the ball. No. Um, But he's going to develop – in a different way and somewhat slower than he probably would have otherwise because he's not running the offense as much. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I don't know what it ends up looking like long-term, but I know that you need somebody that can attack closeouts. And if you have to respect his shot and he can come get you whenever you – and just get by you when you have to come get him. Mm -hmm. And especially the fact that he's eventually going to get, you know – He's great in transition, and he's got a guy who can find him in transition now. Uh, I'm not worried about him at all. Yeah, I think that you know, there's, there's also I think Vinny Smith. If you want to transition to him a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, if you would like to see any of uh, my or Tim or anybody's writing, theAthletic.com/slash/fourpointer. Yeah, we'll get you forty percent off, two ninety nine a month. There are That's no ads. Crazy. It's the best coverage you're gonna find. Um. And I'm definitely going to do like a long Finney Smith piece. He deserves it, man. And I think he deserves to start being considered part of their core. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, and it doesn't look great today because they just had to move him. But to me, I think he has a, like a Bob Covington type mold to him. Mm-hmm. And Bob Covington has saved the Sixers' asses so many times over the last few years. And he's not as big mm-hmm. as Cove, but he's... I don't know, man. That was that play in the second quarter last night where Luca is out on the wing and pumps and gets it to Finney Smith and Finney Smith gets it right back to him for the give and go in the end one. Like that's not the sort of thing that a guy who is just a defensive I think you think of Finney Smith as just a defensive player right. because he can't really up until now shoot. Mm-hmm. He's not bad with the ball. No. He just he does the simple stuff that he has the advantage of. I mean, being like six nine, six ten. Dude, he can put it on the deck, power dribble once or twice, and he's at the rim. And then what are you going to do about that? We can do about this 6'10 guy. Yeah. That's straight line drive at the rim. And he's pretty good at finishing because he attacks baseline. And he's either, you know, left corner, he's attacking in, right corner, attacking the baseline. And he's got some moves. He's got a couple hanging in the air, like bring it back, that Lucas shot. And he's been awesome, man. He's been stinking awesome. I know he's restricted at the end of this year. I'm I'm sign me up. Yeah. Um cuz finding an elite role player like that that checks all like the real difficult boxes. Those dudes just don't exist on most teams. And that's how your team gets from you know uh talented group that probably has some upside to okay, they've got like three role players that are just badasses. I mean, like Philadelphia. Yeah. I and mean, obviously, they just cashed in. Right. And if you and if you have the opportunity to do so, you probably do. Yeah, you have to. Um, but if 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 Finney Smith turns into the type of player that, when paired with another, can go get you a, a superstar, mm-hmm. and we're talking crazy right now, but still, uh, he's not going to shoot 45% from three. But it ain't exactly like this is on a small number of shots, though. He's I not mean, forcing anything. No, I mean, like, he's... Like, I feel like those are all makeable shots that he's taking. 
Yeah. He's taking what is what's given to him. Let's see. The actual numbers, it's uh eighteen of forty, right? Mm-hmm. Um catch and shoot situations in general this year, he's thirteen of thirty two, so that's north of forty percent. On spot up shooting this year, he's fifteen of thirty five, so that's also north of forty percent. That absolutely plays, especially whenever you can guard the other team's uh best player mm-hmm. so often. Now, his defensive numbers the numbers with him on the floor are not great. Mm-hmm. But to me, I trust the sample size of his three-point shot more than I trust the sample size of that group that has him with the starters. Because it's not good right now. I don't know if yeah. you've seen it, but it's it's bad. The starting lineup with him in it? Yeah. I think it's neutral now. Is it? Yeah, it's, uh, let's see. So, DeAndre, Wes, Finney, Dennis, and Luca. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're neutral. They're, they're a plus point two. That probably... It, it and again, corrected last night. I was going to say that's the thing is that one game can really. I don't love lineup data this early. Yeah, it's pretty difficult. Yeah, it's pretty difficult, especially but I mean, that one who hasn't played like a ton of minutes together. Yeah, and I mean, lineup data in general, without looking at like quantitative shot quality and stuff like that, if he's forcing Paul George to take really difficult shots, and Paul George is still hitting the really difficult shots. Like, I still consider that a win because you just keep repeating that process and then, okay, the guy's shooting 35% when you defend him like that. And his what are his shot quality numbers like? Uh, let me pull him up. I had his synergy page, but let me see. Okay, uh, defense. Okay, here we go. He's actually their best defender that plays regular minutes in terms of defensive uh, quantitative shot quality. So 49.8 on so other dudes that shoot against him when he's defending their expected effective field goal percentage is 49.8 which is best basically Brokov is ahead of him that's against two shots all year right Devin Harris is ahead of him that's three shots all year Dorian Finney-Smith has faced 115 shots this year and is their best defender in terms of making you take a bad look now in terms of who affects the shot once you're decided to take it? Maxi's better because he's just erasing shots. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think Maxi, <laughs> Maxi's numbers on quantitative um, in comparison to effective field goal percentage. So Maxi, when someone's shooting against Maxi, he forces them into a 53% effective field goal percentage look. They're a negative 8.1. <laughs> Wow. So he's just, he's affecting it once you decide to shoot. Dorian's forcing you just into bad shots. It's a little bit different. It's guys that can obviously get up and block like Maxi has um, and just kind of spaz out for minutes at a time defensively <coughs> versus a dude in Dorian Finney Smith who's just never going to let you get to the spot. And he's so long, he keeps you out of the good looks. So he's been incredible, man. And most of our conversations up in the press box is, okay, how do we keep this guy? How do we get him on the court more, but don't let everybody else realize he's like an elite role player so we can keep this dude forever? Yeah, I think most of the league does know now. Yeah. Uh, and it's because of his, he's blocking shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, <clears throat> I think if you're looking to a future where Dirk is not here, you'd love to have a guy like Maxi. Mm-hmm. Um, coming off the bench, you I think long term you have to be looking to start Finney Smith. Yeah, I don't know if that'll happen this year or if they're just. I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes. 
like borderline starters minutes. Like, let's see what Wes's minutes have done over the last. Yeah, that's interesting. Because obviously, yeah, he is. Let's see. Let's just split the season in half. Wes has had a couple of bad games in a row, by the way, just in terms of scoring. Um, I know he had four points going into the fourth quarter against Utah, and that was just a nasty game overall. But um, I thought so. The in the in the swap that they're making, right, of Wes exiting earlier, Finney coming in to play with the starters. Finney's Finney's getting the the improvement here. Yeah, and when West goes to the bench, I thought that was going to help him out. Right now, it's small sample size, few games. They've only been doing this, but it hasn't been helping Wes out as much as it's been helping out Dorian. And I guess if I had to choose one, I'd <laughs> I'd choose the starters being better with Dorian. Uh, I mean, his numbers are not terrible, man. I mean, like Wes, yeah. What is his last three, four games? Uh, let's see. Last night he was three of seven, three or four from three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. basically he had the Utah game where he mm-hmm. was really bad. Yeah, but I mean, if you go back to basically when they started doing this, which is the Laker games, mm-hmm. at least I think uh, he's at forty six point four percent from three. Yeah, I mean, on, he's shooting on, better on from six three. A, on six a game, and that's what that second unit needs in the worst yeah. way. Um, so especially when you're playing JJ Maxi and Dwight yeah, Powell at the same that's, time. yeah, that's not uh, that's not sustainable. But yeah. man, I think the most interesting thing to me about uh, last thing on lineup data is that that Finney Smith with the starters mm-hmm. is now a net positive, but it's only a net positive because it is on offense uh, is crazy. Mars on <laughs> offense. Their defensive numbers are not yeah. good. That's the point I was making is that defensively yeah. they're actually better with Wes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that again, we're talking pretty small amounts and I would gladly trade um, Wes's offense for uh, Finney Smith's defense. Yeah. Whenever I've got Luca and I've got uh the idea of Dennis Smith Jr. anyways. Yeah, and the thing I look for in these lineups is the thing that's kind of challenging us the most right now. Um, And last night it didn't show up, um, maybe because they were so spooked about what Oklahoma City can do defensively in terms of creating turnovers. The ball movement, outside of pick and roll, um, getting it to the big man on the roll, which is a lot of JJ, the ball movement hasn't been what I thought it would be. It just it doesn't fly around a lot of the time. Um, for stretches, it will. It'll swing left to right and find the open guy, and you know someone will dribble attack with the idea of getting somebody else in the corner involved. And it's gotten a little bit better now that the lineups are a little bit stable and Barnes is there, and you know who you're playing with every night. But the ball movement and the turnovers has been probably the most discouraging thing I think. Thus far. Well, I very much expected them to be a high turnover team. You're not playing a 19 and a 20-year-old and trying to up your pace from 28th to I think they're like at what, 15th or something? Mm -hmm. You're not doing that without turning the ball over a lot. Yeah. I I, I don't know what I assumed. I mean, maybe I just assumed Luka would have a bigger usage and thus he's going to dime people up more. Um, But it's kind of what... In my in my mind's eye of what this offense can be, I always think like fifty games in. You know what I mean? I'm never thinking about oh, what do they look like game twelve? Right. <laughs> but uh, that lineup, I said all that to say that lineup is one of their best assist to turnover ratio lineups that they have. It's one point eight two, which I think would be best in the league. Um, Finney and the starters. Yeah, Finney and the starters. Um, yeah, 
No, that and, makes sense because he is a better passer than Wes. Yeah. And he also doesn't need the ball as much as Wes does. And he doesn't dribble into traffic and get picked occasionally in the right. paint, which happens to Wes a handful of times. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's interesting because I, I'm not like just been generally disappointed with the ball mu- movement. It's mm. more just that it's inconsistent. Yeah. It's, uh, they really are sometimes like two different teams and mm-hmm. like three different teams yeah. <laughs> because you then add in the way that their bench is going to play. And then when you bring Dirk back, it's yeah. going to be even weirder. But yeah, uh, Wes is averaging the highest number of turnovers a game in his career right now. Mm, and it's just more glaring whenever you get into ISO situations. Right. Because outside of, you know, Luca, um, I don't know if anybody's a positive ISO player um, without at least one screen or some kind of help. Yeah. Um, Luca turns the ball over a lot, too. He I does. Mean, that's just part. I mean, he's had really, a lot of bad turnovers. He's really had some bad ones. And, and really, Smith Jr. has been better at that than he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have him in front of me, but Smith Jr.'s assisted turnover numbers are definitely better than Luca's. Yeah. I mean, um, he just doesn't turn it over a lot of the time. He's just going to shoot it. He's going to get at the rim. And, I mean, you don't consider driving into traffic and getting blocked and it going the other way a turnover, but it's kind of is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're definitely um, – the league is making them earn yeah. calls too, which is really, really annoying. Yeah, that's the um, thing. That's when Dennis looks pissed off. Yeah, and he should be. Yeah. He's still just not really getting to the line, mm-hmm. like at all. But overall, I mean, the offense is working. Yeah. The offense is generating good looks. They're shooting well from three now. Um, I mean, there's nothing to complain about. The quantitative shot quality – is fifth in the league. And I think it's tough for units like this and teams like this that obviously, you know, bad team last year. Um, got a bunch of young guys that are trying to figure out exactly what works every single night. It's tough to tell them, I know we lost last night. I know we lost the three nights before. Keep doing the same thing. Keep shooting those exact same shots. We're generating good looks. They're just not falling right now. And the other team was obviously bombing against us for fifty percent from three the first half of the or first, you know, eight games or so. And it's just tough to tell a team that is their their identity and their DNA is Dennis and Luca right now. I mean, there's no way around it. That's that's what this team is. And I mean it's a lot of JJ uh whenever he comes into the game, but on the whole, it's a twenty year old and nineteen year old, and to tell them keep shooting the same exact shot that hasn't gone in the last five games. Keep running the same exact play that hasn't won us the game the last five games because it's generating good looks. Yep. And I think it's just a longer-term view of the offense is freaking working. It's working, and it's not getting to work as as often and well as it should because they don't get any stops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I think if they're able to – and let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, yeah. Um, Once – I don't really, I don't know what to say about DeAndre. To be honest with you, like I yep. think he's just flat bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and defensively, yes, defensively. And I don't know if it's you know the Mavericks have always been a pretty conservative team with their with the way they use their bigs, but he takes it to a new level. That's I don't know. It's confounding. I don't know if he's slowed down a little bit. I mean, there was obviously signs last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of just thought he didn't care because the Clippers traded away their entire team. Right. Um, and I don't want to question somebody's – I feel weird about questioning somebody's effort, right. but he's just not really 
getting it done. Yeah. It's, he's, he's just really not as, as far as like covering the ball handler. Mm-hmm. Well, here's, here's the issue. And I looked it up because I remember coming into the season. That was one of my, that was honestly my biggest question. It was okay. He's the only guy that has it inside of him that I've seen within the last three years be a plus defender in that starting unit. And I mean, Barnes is neutral and West can be neutral or he has been in the last three years. <clears throat> but for DeAndre, it seemed like they were leaving a lot. A lot of that pie is just kind of being slid over to him and be like, and DeAndre cleans it up. Yeah. Well, and he, and he just, he hasn't. This he might didn't interest last you. Year. Uh, he is currently charted as being the defender on the pick and roll ball handler 160 times. Wow. Uh, quick look at this list. There is one player whose defense is asking them to handle more of that in the entire league, and that player is Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Like basically, the Mavericks are leaning on. Or excuse me, wait. Yeah, he's at 160. Uh, they're leaning on him more than any other team is leaning on any player defensively. Right, and he is not succeeding. Yeah, so. It's well, a mix of that's a bad idea to have him try to cover as much as, you know, Joel Embiid, but mm-hmm. it's also a bad idea because he can't really do it. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know if the move is to to help more. Um, you know, because in the Utah in the Utah game, they were in the second half, they had they were helping off shooters left and right, and then those shooters were shooting. Yeah. So it's, I don't have a great answer for you. I just know that this ain't it. So he's when he challenges a shot. So I looked up basically within six feet, right, of the rim. Yeah. Because that's what really just kind of stains. <laughs> yeah, because his at-the-rim numbers are not bad. Yeah. It's, it's just he's not getting to very many of them. Right. He's not participating in that moment. He's not sliding across the lane and trying to body somebody. And that's – the numbers from last year will tell you as much. I mean, think, I think last year it was kind of – it was almost comical how few at-the-rim shots he challenged last year. I think it was 4.5 a game, which is for a starting center that's playing 30 minutes. Um, here's some reference. Here's here's some numbers okay. and some reference for you, okay? So last year, I think it was 4.5 shots a game within six feet of the rim. Um, this year, it's actually up. It's up 6.3 field goal attempts less than six feet. So... 6.3 times a game, he's challenging a shot within six feet. Of the rim. Of the rim. So when he does challenge it, he's affecting it really well. He's a negative 13.3 on field goal percentage. Here's the rub. So of your best players in the league in terms of uh, getting to and challenging shots within six feet, Anthony Davis challenges nine, 9.4 a game. Carl Anthony Towns, 9.3. Channing Fry, 9. That's one game sample size, so throw that out. Embiid is 8.7. Gobert's at 8. Vooch, 7.7. DeAndre's all the way down here at the number I mentioned a minute ago at 6.3. And he's playing more minutes than Nurkic, Capella, um, Aiton, McGee, Jared Allen. Uh, I think more than Vooch right now. So he's just not participating and protecting the rim very often. He's doing a good job of it when he decides to, but it's just not happening. And I think the worry was that, you know, a lot of people, me included, have speculated 
that one way to to continue to average 14 rebounds a game is to camp your ass out under the rim. <laughs> yeah, that'll do <laughs> to it. Basically, just don't get an illegal defense. Yeah. Um, but don't really challenge anything. And that seems weird, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I, the logic there would be that he is uh, that he's doing that for for personal reasons, right? I mean, to play contracts. more minutes. Yeah, to and, stay on the floor. Yeah, get rebounds when you're on the floor. The thing it, is, though, it can is also that, be a not personal reason in that the defense would probably fall apart if yeah. he's on the court. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, but that's seems like to really assume that NBA teams are dumb enough to just pay you solely yeah. based on your counting stats. Right. Which, dude, that that doesn't live here anymore. No. This is 1995. Your agent cannot just show up mm-hmm. with like, "Hey, 13, 14, give me yeah. money anymore." That doesn't that doesn't really work. Like, yeah, if you're looking, they're gonna look at rebound percentage. Exactly, they're gonna look at. <laughs> I mean, let's just start there. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I don't know that it's much better if he does go challenge. You know? Yeah. Th- th- does it look much better if he's uh, stepping out to Donovan Mitchell uh, or not letting Ricky Rubio just run right by him? I just know that this isn't working. I mean, he did it last night, and he finished with a pretty, you know, for his standards earlier this season, a pretty bad stat line. Hey, it's Cash Seroy. Cash Seroy, Mr. Dolphin. What are you doing up here? Talking some sports. You like sports, bro? Sports. It's it's the brain behind Slovenian Rhapsody. Oh. The internet oh. sensation. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so the thing is, if he starts getting fouls, he gets taken out of the game. Right. If he challenges everything that's coming at the basket, because early in the season, it was every other possession. There was something in his face. So... I think last night he locked in. I mean, he played his butt off last night, and he, he was didn't, better. And he didn't finish with a good box. I think it was like eight under ten rebounds for the first time. I believe that was his year. only single digit rebound game. Yes. Yeah. So I want to see how he plays the next game. If because, he's like, have this, I'm back to. Well, it's. I don't know if. I mean, maybe we're thinking too much into it in the terms of okay, I need to show these teams that I can get 14 rebounds a game, and the way I do that is by playing 33 minutes. And, you know, maybe not challenging as many things as I as I should at the rim. But maybe he's gotten kind of savvy to it going, okay, we're the best defensive rebounding team in the league right now. Before last night. Last night got a little weird. There were a lot of long rebounds. It's Steve, thunder also. Steven Adams is a moose. Yeah. Uh, underneath the basket. So it gets it got a little weird last night. They, they're down to like fourth, I think, in defensive rebound percentage. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone told him. <laughs> they're like, bro, they're going to judge you on rebound percentage. They're going to judge you on your actual impact defensively on a possession-by-possession basis. And so why don't you go challenge stuff? Because he got locked in on Paul George 27 feet away from the basket last night at one point. And I was like, is he just going like, to turn around and run? Right. <laughs> and, and he got in his stance and he got down and made Paul George take a tough shot. I could deal with uh, him having the ball a lot less, which yeah. he didn't really last night. But, man, if you go back to Utah, I'm like, are we facilitating our <laughs> offense to DeAndre Jordan now? Like, he had one game where he had nine assists, yeah. and, and everybody turned him into, like, Zaza. Yeah. I'm like, that's... dude, you are trying to fit passes that we would would get you laughed off the floor in a pickup game. That's a weird and Rick Especially thing. with Doncic out there. I'm like, yeah. you got to cut this out. That's a weird Rick thing that I think he just tells his big to be ready to top out or pop out to the three-point line and like be the release valve whenever a, a possession stagnates. And you tell a big man that, that they get to touch the ball 27 feet out, they're going to be like, ooh, let's get on out there. And I think he's, yeah, it's it's happening too much. He had six turnovers against the Lakers and four against the Jazz. Like, there's yeah. zero reason yeah. why a big should have 10 turnovers in two games like that. 
A big yeah. who plays at the rim. Yeah, and I feel like whenever I see DeAndre having to come out and bail out a possession, I feel like I could just hit the skip forward five seconds on the shot clock. And yeah. Let's go ahead and get to whatever's happening now. Need a not I need a lot less of that. So would you continue to play him as much as he is? Uh because I don't know if that's even your decision. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, that's true. But again, man, consider what I'm saying. He has faced more possessions where he is guarding the pick and roll ball handler mm-hmm. than anyone in the league besides Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid is like a monster. Yeah. Uh, who's you know seven years younger than he is. He cannot have the same they can't lean on him like he's Rudy Gobert because yeah. he's not. Uh, so I don't know if Maxi's shot is, is falling. Yeah, if Maxi gets back to knocking down threes, which he did last night, he shot through it. Like yep. he just, he just tweeted through the pain last night. He bricked, Zach, Zach Smith did. <laughs> he uh, he bricked his first two really bad. It was like loud misses, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna keep chunking. And he made two. He made like two last night. Uh, I think two consecutive ones after that. So I'd like to see Maxi play. I'd like to see Finney Smith, Maxi. Luca, DSJ, and Barnes a little more. Yeah, I don't know if they've played together at all. That's the tricky, fun lineup. <laughs> We've brought this up uh, quite a bit when watching games. It's like, uh, you know who's having the best game right now of the Wings? Dorian. You know who's having the best game for the Bigs? Maxi. Yeah. Wouldn't it be Ooh. nice to see them play with Luca and? Yeah. So yeah, I mean you've got DeAndre at 33 minutes, and that mm-hmm. feels high. Oh, that's honestly. like three more than he's used yeah, to, I think. Right. Well, last year he was 35, 31 oh, and a half. It? No, no, no. Okay. 31 and a half, 31 7 before that. But mm-hmm. he's playing more than he's played in basically four years. Yeah. At 30. Well, and there are against two, a team that doesn't really have anybody else that can stop anybody, at least at the rim. And there's so. a couple of weird games in there where he got. I mean, last night he I don't think. He played 40 one yeah. night, didn't he? Yeah. Well, and then there's also like the Lakers game in which he got sat down pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and then the Utah game when he got his third foul pretty early. Um, but I mean, it can be, it can be both things and I don't want to get to like, you know, armchair psychologist on what his intention is, right? Because it can be both things. He can realize that the best way to keep this rebounding, uh, balanced for my team and the best version of the Mavericks is for me to be on the court for 33 minutes. Also the best version of me getting, you know, a new contract (laughs) at the end of the year is me being on the court for a lot of minutes. So it can be both, and that's kind of like the best situation. Um, but the challenging the stuff at the rim, that's just how he plays now, man. That's just him. Like, he's last year the numbers were real bad. This year the numbers are... The eyeball test kind of hurts more than what the actual numbers say. Right. And maybe, maybe he changes a little bit. Uh, a couple other quick things from me, anyways, just mm-hmm. stat observations. The Mavericks are third in the league in drives per game. Yeah. Right? Yep. But they don't get anywhere near the free throws out of their drives that other teams around them do. Mm-hmm. Like, they have basically the same amount of drives as the league leader in the Hornets uh, while getting um, a little over two fewer free throws out of drives per game. Smith Jr. is uh, now getting and one calls on just 22% of his uh possessions. Like he just doesn't get to the line. Yeah. And I'm I think it's like uh it's like you were saying with DeAndre. I think it's two things. I think he's not very good at finishing mm-hmm. and I think the league is making him pay for it more than he should have to. Yes. Yes. Like, it's, it's okay, compound. dude, I get it. I'm not really that great at this, mm-hmm. but you're making this much more difficult on yes. a on a 20, 21-year-old player than it 
should have to be. Yeah, it's like it's like whenever guys get the reputation of a good defender. Like right. Draymond gets away with so much stupid exactly. crap because people have said he's a good defender, and you're looking. The ref is looking at him, going, "This is good defense." Yeah, whether or not he's fouling you every single possession or not. And yeah, with Dennis, it's okay. Guy can't finish around the rim. Guy doesn't create enough contact. He's not big. Uh, doesn't get you in awkward spaces. He does like the opposite of you know what James Harden does, which is like duck out of the contact to make sure he can get the ball up. And the refs see that, and they're just they compound the situation, and then it just starts. It's you know it just feeds into itself. But uh, I mean, I think through this year, heading into next year, if I could add one thing to him that I think would change so many of his statistical outliers for a guy that drives as much as he does and handles the ball as much as he does is I want the dude to get freaking yoked. <laughs> like I want Dennis to get thick. Yeah. Cause that strength gives him confidence to go bully in there. And if you have a little bit more strength and the sec- second thing I'd ask for is let's figure out how to jump off one foot because it's really, you call your shot. Everyone, know, I mean, it's predetermined what he's doing a lot of the time or where he's going to jump from, and he's never going to jump in between uh, off one foot, and it just it makes it real tough for him. And he's making good plays, and he's and I hate to see him get to the underneath the basket, get clobbered, no call, ball goes wide, and it's going the other way. Do you think that a good template for his body is Kyle Lowry? Maybe. Like Kyle Lowry is. Thick with several C's. Right. But Kyle Lowry gets to the line, man. <laughs> yeah. And he's not big, tall, no. you know. I mean, he's about the same he's height as Dennis foot, is. Yeah. yeah. He's just, Kyle Lowry's kind of always been thick, though. And he's never had bounce. Right. That's, That's Dennis's. Thing. Honestly, if Dennis was 10% less athletic, he would be such a different player. Like, if he grew up being 10% less athletic. Sure. I mean, he might not be in the ninth overall pick, but, uh, you know. His he game would, would look different. Yeah, he would have answers for what happens whenever I can't jump over people already. But, uh, all right, let's wrap up with um, Jake unfiltered on the 76ers trade for <laughs> 60 seconds. By the way, they are uh, – Lowry and Smith Jr. Ha- average roughly the same number of drives per game. That's awesome. Uh, Dennis is at 11-9. Lowry's at 10-1. The difference being that – let's see here. By the way, the Mavericks, like I said, are third overall. That's because they're now led in drives by Luka. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Smith gets .5 free throws per... Lowry's is actually not that higher, but his and one percentage is best in the league. Wow. Um, it's a heck of a player. Yeah, I think it's one of those type of deals. This, I think the 76ers had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, really, when the story is written on on processing and, and how all that worked or didn't work, it's it's really I think kind of perfect because they proved that you can the reason you need so many picks is because even teams that know what they're doing are going to f most of them up mm-hmm. and they've made some absolutely terrible picks. Obviously, New Orleans didn't work out. That's a different regime, though. I think I believe that was a holdover from yeah. Um, but Okafor I, Okafor is a disaster. That's the same now. Now that Fultz. wasn't a great draft. No, Porzingis was after him though. That's Porzingis that, was after that really him. hurts. That's the one that yes, exactly. And then um, Fultz. Now, now they got it. Fultz yeah. is two picks. Yeah, and that's the thing. But that's the one about that one that's really bad. 
I say that the Okafor one uh, was was not a great draft. Really what it was was it was a Carl Anthony Towns and nothing else. Mm-hmm. I didn't love D'Angelo Russell. I didn't love really anybody in that draft. But in that same draft, I think this is instructive, the Celtics tried to trade three first-round picks, I think to go get Justice Winslow at nine, um, who ended up going at ten because the Hornets turned down an offer for three picks the draft effing Frank, Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> so even the 70s or the Celtics who are now regarded as yeah. just this, hey, look, they can do no wrong. They did try to give up three first round picks for a guy that I'm not sure is any good uh, in Justice Winslow. So I say all that to say I love Dario. I just think he's like a cult hero, man. Like I love watching that dude play. He's spastic as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Covington is a great role player. I also think that even though their team doesn't really fit now, you if you have a chance to add a third top 25 type player to your team, mm-hmm. I think you have to do it like fit be damned yeah. and just try. Because the worst thing that can happen is you'll still have Simmons, you'll still have Embiid. I believe they still have uh, another extra first coming to them besides their own. They got uh, a weird protection on that where if it's like the first pick, you know what yeah, I'm talking about? there's a very strange. It's, it's like, like the Lakers. Two through seven, they send it. If it's the first overall, they keep something right. like that. So... Uh, I think they need to consider starting Redick again. And basically, even if you're playing Fultz, Redick, I mean, if you're playing Fultz, Redick, and then uh, Embiid, Simmons, and, and Butler, you know, there's still not a lot of shooting there. Mm-hmm. But that's probably the best defensive lineup in the league. Yeah. Um, because you're basically only playing one subpar defender in Fultz. And the other guys are, like, ridiculous. So... I think they have the upside to be the best offensive team in basketball now. I mean, they were close last year. And you can put whatever you want in between Butler, Simmons, and Embiid. And it, I mean, both those guys can guard two, three positions with high aptitude. Like, Jimmy's ability to guard point guards fixes a lot of that. And his his foot speed and his strength yeah, is for sure. extremely unique for them. Yeah. Offensively, I I don't love it, man. I really don't. Well, that's the thing is that um, I just think that the way they were doing it was kind of topped out. Yeah. And it's topped out because they're having to play Fultz. They don't want to play Fultz, and he hasn't even really been terrible. He's fine. Yeah, he's just not the solution that they need because they're so polarized. Which was extremely obvious at the time that they picked him. Yeah. Like, that one was – I'm not saying that I I could have told you Jason Tatum was going to be Jason Tatum. But I could have definitely told you that this is what Markel Fultz's career was going to look like, at least at the beginning, because I didn't really get it in college. And like we were talking about it because we thought the Mavericks were going to be drafting a lot higher than they ended up picking. And I know you were not that high on him. Like I would have taken ball. Yeah. If I was a seven. I I mean, I like Darren Fox the most out of that group. And I kind of got talked off of him because he didn't shoot the entire year and I got tricked into the Kentucky. Yeah, the carrot was underneath the little basket, and I reached underneath there and realized Kentucky guys don't even look into their three-point shooting until they're a year into the league. But, um, yeah, I think De'Aaron was my guy. I think I think uh, Lonzo would be a great fit for them. Oh, yeah, he'd be spectacular. Because uh, he defends and he can shoot the three, and mm-hmm. he's great in transition, which is really all they're about. So, yes. uh, it sucks that they don't have Jason Tatum is what it comes down to. Like, yeah. Had they taken Jason Tatum with that pick, uh, they would still probably, and now that, you know, Muscala's out, mm-hmm. uh, he's got like a busted face. So <laughs> any, any, you know, semblance of shooting that they have up and down their roster mm-hmm. is either hurt 
traded or JJ Redick. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting, man. And it, it, I always try to think of these things from the standpoint of the Mavericks and just think, okay, if you have an opportunity to do something like that, would you do it? Yeah. You know, because really their pick of Luca is similar in that it is very fit be damned. Yeah. You know, they easily could mm. have said, we have a point guard. We don't need this guy. Like, yeah. I think that's what a lot of teams would have done. Um, it, what it what it kind of rubs me as, and I just thought of this because you mentioned in relation to the Mavericks, it kind of rubs me as Rondo, as Rondo trade. Yeah, the only difference <laughs> the, the only difference is, uh, well, there's two there's there's a couple differences. One, when the Mavericks added Rondo, they were scoring like an insane insane uh, points per possession mm-hmm. and efficiency, and they were cooking. They were also getting killed on defense with uh, what's his yeah, name, Jameer Nelson, with Jameer Nelson, but. They inserted a player into something that was not broken to try to do it differently. If you've watched the 76ers play this year, it's pretty clear that they are broken. Yeah. <laughs> like, they've had some nice wins. Um, they beat the brakes off of somebody the other night. Who was that? When Embiid just went nuts. Oh, yeah. When Embiid had, like, 38 and 10 or something uh, like that. Yeah. It was the... Was it, the... it was the Pacers. Oh, okay. That game ended up getting close, but yeah. it was not close. They destroyed... Indiana. Well, uh, one of the most valuable things for them is they don't have to bar, uh, baby Markel Fultz anymore. Yeah. Like, if they would, don't want to play him, if they want to make him strictly bench or even send him to the G League. They like, could. They have a reason to now. Yeah. Like, they don't they don't have to get the top-end production of Markel Fultz over the next six months. No, but that would be a pretty tremendous acknowledgement yeah. of failure. But he has not been that bad, man. Like, he's actually he's catching a lot of heat, um, mm-hmm. but that's not really his fault. It's their fault for using two picks on a player that had no business uh, being picked one. But yeah. okay. So the first thing is they need help. The Mavericks did not need help that year in the sense that they were fine. Like, mm-hmm. They were never going to win, but they were fine. Um, and the other difference is, is that Jimmy Butler is still like, I don't think anybody thinks Butler sucks now. A lot no. of people thought, Oh yeah. Rondo. If you, if you talk to the Boston people, they'd be like, yeah, you don't know what you're getting. Right. Yeah, and I remember, I mean, even like the Zach Lowe article breaking down the trade was like, this is mm-hmm. not Yeah, this ain't this is not the guy you think it is. Whereas, you know, maybe Butler doesn't have a ton of juice left, but I still think he can be a twenty point a night guard the other team's best player. Mm-hmm. And they already have two of those guys. Yeah. So I I it's soup it's so interesting. It's such an interesting move because I feel like somehow both teams made like the right kind of trade. Oh, I love it for Minnesota, man. Yeah, they got two really stinking good players that they need for that sorts of uh, yeah, for that sort of team, and they 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 really don't need somebody who's going to yell at Wig. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm sure you've seen the video, but if there was some concern about Butler, it would definitely have emerged from that Laker game where his hand is in his pants the other night. <laughs> Yeah, what I mean, was that? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, obviously you're trying to get traded, but yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen that be the way that someone <laughs> tries to get traded. Just sent home. Yeah, I mean, the personality stuff I don't I don't worry about. Like whatever. Like I think there are a lot of more there's probably 20 more maniacs in the league that we don't know about that just kind of, you know, that's just who he is, whatever. But uh that's the most interesting thing that has happened because I feel like the 76ers just cashed in. Now, did they cash in for an Eastern Conference Finals appearance? Or did they cash in because they felt super pressured to do something and now 
You're looking at a max extension for Jimmy Butler. Um, and now you, I mean, if you want a max slot this offseason, in terms of cap sheet, you got to get off that first pick. That first overall pick that's sitting over there on the bench. Yep. And that is just, some front offices, that is too much to swallow, my man. Yeah, that one's admit. definitely, if they end up not having success, it's going to be all about Markel. Yeah. Which really sucks, because like, like I said, that's not really his fault. No, absolutely not. I don't know if I like the guy or not, but I know that's not really his fault. Yeah. They have a first-round pick in 2019 coming from uh, Sacramento, mm-hmm. and that one has some weird protections. Basically, they... I, you know what? I'm not going to read this. <laughs> it's really, really complicated. No, you're good. It's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. It's freaking fascinating, though. Um, anyway, all right. Go check out The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash four-pointer is where you need to go. 40% off your one-year subscription, two ninety nine a month is what that works out to. No ads, no banners, no pop-up videos, just the best stinking sports coverage out there from my dude Jacob from Tim Cato. And uh, across the spectrum, there's no place else that's doing it quite like the athletic. So uh, just know that this summer, Bob is going to have a 6,000 word article describing how exactly Lincoln Riley's offense will work <laughs> as head coach of the Cowboys. And you're going to want to read it. <laughs> you're going to want to be there. Uh, get you about four or five scripts over there. Just hand them out. Christmas is right around the corner. Your kids don't need green beans. Ooh. Get you get you a couple athletic scripts. Do people still eat green beans? I like green beans. Never a fan. No? No. That's weird, bro. Never a fan. I, I still cook veggies. The the side dish that we fight over that we just have a tug of war of. Asparagus. You're an asparagus man? Yeah. I can, like I, that. I can mess with some asparagus. I like that. And then I like to smell my pee later. <laughs> do you know only some people that works for? For real? Yeah. What's only, the, what do I have? Do I have some sort uh, of disease? Yeah, rickets. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry. I've been eating my sorry. lemons. Sorry. I think that might be for scurvy. I think it is scurvy. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Wrong. Yeah. Well, <laughs> covering the wrong seas. <laughs> F. All right. We're done. Later.